especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run we're gonna be with you the only way we know how by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week squarespace squarespace they're bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i am joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who still hasn't won an emmy for anything mr christian spicer hello christian that's not true uh 05 daytime emmys in san diego you won an emmy yeah a daytime you are pulling the no leg. i'm just kidding but i got you Ooh, you got me good uh, i'm gonna win daytime an emmy for that performance san diego right emmys you know the local emmy yeah, the local know. emmy all right there's those real things okay but I, I didn't win one though but no. i just won one for that performance thank that you that was a that was a beautiful <laughs> lie that you just told um we got lots to talk about this week there's gaming news there's some huge releases let's talk about that death loop it's going to be so much fun and we have an awesome guest to do it with you know the dlc always stands for your downloadable canada and your downloadable christian but this week oh i'm so excited because dlc stands for Dionysus of leisure content because you know her from IGN, Kotaku, and countless other places, including her own Patreon. We have content creator, journalist, and all-around amazing person, Game Onesis herself. Janet Garcia is joining us for the first time. Hey, Janet. What's up? That was an amazing introduction. Like, I'm feeling the energy, you know? It's like in the evening time. I'm drinking my second cup of coffee because y- y'all know how it is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to be here. What's up? We're excited to have you. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time. So excited to finally make it happen. Big fan of your content and uh, your voice. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Let's jump in because we got tons to talk about and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by hanging out with the cool folks in our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com or the cool folks in our Discord. That's 5x5DLC on the Discord as well. Like I said, cool folks. Great community. Urge you to take part. But Janet, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I think probably the Battlefield 2042 being delayed, just because whenever a larger game gets delayed, especially that close to launch, there's always like a little bit of like a wave of concern that runs through. And I think just the the power of the title would make it significant enough. Yeah. I mean, my understanding is that EA lost $2 billion in market cap when they announced the uh, the the delay. That's not a small thing. And it is only a month uh, delayed from October 22nd to November 19th. But of course, listeners of this show know that every game is being delayed this year. So uh, they should have expected it. Uh, but you're right, Jenna. This is a, this is a big deal. Um, and there has been the, the predictable blowback from angry fans. 
Uh, it's pretty late in the game for a uh, a delay like this. One can only assume that this month over at Dice is going to be uh, pretty intense. Uh, what do you make of this from a player's perspective? I mean, obviously, we all want these games to be finished and and uh, done, but this certainly looks like this game has to be out before the holiday season before black friday so november 19th certainly seems like the last possible day they would want to release a battlefield 2042 does it change the landscape of the holiday for you or is a month kind of not a big deal well personally i'm not really you know like a battlefield fan necessarily so for me it's like i don't really have a you know a a horse in the race but i feel like the the month isn't too significant um and it's still in that fall season obviously the deeper into fall you get the more competitive things get as like big releases come up on the horizon things drop stuff from like a month ago maybe that you're still catching up on because something that I, I always have to remind myself of is that like here we're like the weird the weirdos of gaming the people who are like oh <laughs> it came out today i'm playing it it came yeah. out today i already beat it because i got a review you know like right. it's it's content all the time and and normal people like slowly will be like i guess i'll pick this up so i i do think that you know the cadence of playing is sort of different if you're a little bit more of you know not us where you're like so tuned in but at the same time battlefield is one of those games where i think it is big enough that like that might be a game that if you're in that fan base, that might be one of the few games that you're actually playing this year at all. So again, not the biggest deal, but it does make me curious as to, you know, what that open beta might look like if, if that's still going to be a thing. Yeah. The open beta evidently has been delayed as well. So, I mean, this is, this is a major thing. Uh, Battlefield, I think it was five. What was the last one? I can't, the numbers are difficult for me at this point, but um, also got a similar delay uh, into November when it was originally supposed to be October. So this is not new for the franchise. It's not new for the studio. This time it does seem to be announced so close to the tw- uh, October 22nd release that it, it does feel like, um, you know, I, I don't, maybe cause for some concern. But I, I, let me ask you this, Janet. Are, do you think that, I'm also one of those people that's not waiting with bated breath for a Battlefield game, but it is a huge franchise and it is a huge title and it is a huge tentpole for this holiday season. Do you think this points to a situation where we could see a Battlefield 2042 come out and it is not, still not ready, a, a sort of cyberpunk-esque situation? Um, I think that's always a possibility because we have no idea on our end why this delay is there other than the vague statement that everyone always puts out, which is like, we want it to be the best that it can be. And for it to be the best it can be. And now people throw in like a comment on health and then they sprinkle some pandemic on there. And that's literally all of them, like all of the release, <laughs> like, and you know, that's fair. Like I get that. They're not really going to be like, Oh my God, I have, you know, like y- you don't want to see the chaos. That is how stuff gets made. Cause that would probably just create more concern. So I do understand yeah. that. But the thing is, it's like, okay, is this like a, can you get whatever you need to get done? Can Is this enough time for it? Because I right. do feel like, you know, with delays, people are always like, it's good because now, you know, it gives the team time to to do it right and to like not crunch. But like, I've never had to, I've never been late with something and been like time to kick back because I like, usually <laughs> I'm like, okay, we got to like go even quicker or work even harder because I miscalculated and now I'm not like you already miscalculated once. So like yeah. now is the calculation suddenly better? Like, I think that's kind of, the case with delays. Um, I do think a game like this, it 
these kind of games get so much ongoing support and are so much more known for ongoing support support in general that I feel like it's less of an issue versus like cyberpunk or something. That's a single player game where you really do show up, you finish and then you leave. Like you're not yeah. really like hanging out there. Like sure there are single player games that have multiplayer, but they don't have the same like culture and community around them as a game like battlefield does. I think that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, these, these are going to be live service games anyway. So one would assume that even if there's uh, you know, some rough spots that aren't finished, even by this delayed release date, they will be continued to be worked on. But, you know, first impressions around the holidays, I think you also are right to point out that there's a whole lot of people that aren't like us that are, you know, this is their one, you know, they're waiting, their birthday was in October and they asked for this or they, you know, they're waiting for that gift or they're waiting for that one purchase. Um, And uh, it, it can be, I think, it can be detrimental when it comes out and if there are still issues that, are unresolved. I think, you know, it's a little bit of uh, uh, sour grapes when you are told, well, it's a live service game and it's going to be fixed at some point. It's like, well, I, bet I was waiting for today because you said it was coming out today. <laughs> anyway, it did. <laughs> yeah, and it did. Right. Uh, Christian Spicer. Rocksmith Plus also got delayed. Uh, <laughs> looks like Dying Light 2 is moving into February. I'm just waiting for you to continually tell me how right I was at the beginning of the year when I predicted every single game will be delayed. Therein lies the problem. See, Babe Ruth called one home run. Babe Ruth did not (laughs) open up the game and go, I will hit every hit will be a home run. You got to call one. You overcalled. You overcalled. But yes. Uh, Also, I think think we might lose. Lighter and lighter every day. (laughs) I'm just saying. I think we might lose Janet uh, mid podcast because I think every game studios PR uh, wing is contacting uh, Janet right now to get her to write. Excuse me. I have kombucha with me, which is making me not the best podcast drink, but I think they're all trying to hire Janet to write all of their statements. Cause you nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, I mean, it, it's like, yeah. And again, pro delay, like make, make the game, make the game. But I would love you know, we, we've been fortunate to have some really great developers on this show. And I would love generally to get a thought of like, what can be done in three and a half weeks? You know, like, I feel like it must have been something significant to delay it. Jeff, as you mentioned, $2 billion of market cap, which they'll likely make back like those things ebb and flow, you know, very quickly, oftentimes for large companies like EA. But something significant to do this delay. But as Janet mentioned, too, I don't think the devs at EA at Dykes were like, sweet, time for a one-week vacay. Then we'll come back fresh and make it gold. Like, it's going <laughs> to no. be yeah. a lot of stuff. But then, you know, we, we talk about on the show how hard it is to make games and all the things that go into it and how this moving piece changes this whole domino effect, all this other stuff later. What is it? What What is going to be accomplished in these three weeks that was worth stopping the assembly assembly line for that then gets the game out in a good enough state to then exist well enough as that game as service game that people don't jump off. I mean, if it's too broken at launch, people do, I think, you know, write it off and then maybe it can have a second coming can have its no man's sky moment or like uh, destiny um, forbidden King. Like you can have this big groundswell, like patch update that gets people back, but it's gotta be, good enough 
at launch yeah. to garner that goodwill. And I'm super curious about this game because Battlefield 2042 seemed like the battlefield for fans, you know, doing all of this stuff for some of that hardcore battlefield, um, th- those fans out there. And I don't think it's doom and gloom for this game, but it is an interesting, it's a small delay in a trying time. I'm curious. Well, I, sus- I suspect that it wasn't like, well, we need three more weeks. I think that the, <laughs> the, the conversation was, what is the latest acceptable date that we can put this game out? Because November 19th feels like that's it. <laughs> if you want this thing to come out before Black Friday, which traditionally has been the holiday cutoff point, right? That's It's got to be out before the big shopping holiday season. Especially uh, for a box and- copy game. Yeah, I mean, this this is as mainstream a video game release as they come. I mean, this is this is big time, and it, it is a tentpole for an entire publisher. Uh, so I would suspect that that's that's where November nineteenth came from. Not like you know what, we just need three more weeks, not a <laughs> not a day more. I think it's more like <laughs> what's the latest possible day that is acceptable for us to put this out. So it's going to be interesting to see. I agree. It was a huge story. uh, And especially all the effect that it had on, on, uh, on the market, which is wild to see that has that big of a, big of a push. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Well, uh, this is still heavily in the rumor department, but the, as we saw during Sony's event, Marvel is everywhere. And we saw the Firaxis game. We saw Wolverine. We saw Spidey 2. And now the rumor circulating is that Quantic Dream, um, the makers of such thematic choice games like uh, Detroit Become Human. Um, Heavy what, Rain. What's the Rain one called? Heavy, Heavy rain. rain. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What's, Between you two know, the Rain one. Yeah. Yep. Games, I, games uh, I thoroughly enjoy. I'm I'm a pendulum on Chronic <laughs> uh, Dream games. Some I love, some I don't. The studios also had its share of uh, problems, um, not to gloss over those, or allegations, I should say. But this rumor is that they are working on a Star Wars title. They've been working on it for over a year. And I think this is fascinating because I think it shows, if true, Disney really looking to get as much of their stuff out to developers to make a broad slate of types of games and content as possible, which isn't something we've really seen before, or it's been a long time, I would argue. Um, Seeing this broad of a spectrum from Disney and their game studios. And I think star Wars is perfect for a quantum dream style game of making, you know, light side, dark side, (laughs) what are you going to do? And I'm not curious even light side, see. dark side, but it's it's amazing to think of a, a Star Wars game that potentially doesn't really have combat, that doesn't have, you know, that you could really, I think you could do some really interesting stuff in the Star Wars universe as a straight up adventure game, as a straight up narrative experience. You just I, have a Palpatine wandering around the Death Star going, Anakin! Anakin! <laughs> yeah. Anakin! Yeah. Have you seen Anakin? It, it writes be. itself. It, it really does. <laughs> it really does. Uh, Janet, are you a Quantic Dream Games uh, fan? And if so, what do you think of them doing IP that isn't original? I'm like a like a wary fan. You know, I feel like Quantic <laughs> Dream again because you know the studio has had a lot of allegations, and people generally, you know, the head David Cage may or may not be kind of 
not the best person in the world. Yeah, so it's right. kind of a, it's always like, oh, like, I'm a fan, but like, I'm not problematic. <laughs> like, it always kind of has that <laughs> weird qualifier to it. I will say, I haven't played a lot of their games. The only one I have played is Detroit Become Human, which I love a lot of aspects of the game, but the overarching sort of weird racial dichotomy it's about race it's not about race yeah it totally was it always was like that stuff was sort of weird and even outside like the the other like even just in the game i like felt that as a player so like that was choices were made but i do think in terms of just constructing a narrative i think that's the studio is very talented at that and i think like graphically like that game looks absolutely gorgeous um and like i still think about the the crazy zoom outs of like the the narrative branches they'd show off which i'm sure you could argue a lot of narrative games have that kind of branching pathway but i just remember being so impressed and shocked and surprised constantly by that game um so i do think that that would be interesting and yeah i i would love more narrative takes on established ips i know that like in the april fool's circuit a lot of people do the oh what if we did like doom as a visual novel (laughs) you know and that's kind of i feel like people kind of have stopped making that joke because they realize it's kind of insulting to the genre but i'm like oh i always want that thing like i think it'd be so fun to see like it's such a uh straightforward transition because it is just like okay making it narrative versus it's not like okay we're gonna take a platformer and turn into a shooter like every game at its core has some level of story um and certainly star wars is is super rich with story and there's different there's a million star wars stories being told because disney owns it now so yeah. sure why not may add add one to the pile yeah yeah I, and it's interesting how this comes about right because quantic dream had this three game deal with sony that expired and so they're free to do whatever they want and i had already i'd always looked at the relationship between quantic dream and, and sony as as very much uh sony kind of like nurturing this little uh strange uh very expensive experimental studio you know it's setting aside all the problematic stuff uh it just felt like this studio was doing things that weren't that that had a mainstream kind of triple a budget but really weren't mainstream or triple a at all it, it felt like an indie approach to game design in, in a lot of ways, a very, um, very risky in a lot of ways. You know, it doesn't give the player the kind of uh, 30 seconds of fun repeated that you see with a lot of mainstream releases, you know, like a Battlefront, <laughs> Battlefield 19, or 2042. So it's interesting to see, like, well, left to their own devices they go out and get the Star Wars IP? What? That just seems completely um, counterintuitive to me to what my impression of the studio was. But maybe I was just completely wrong. And it it, it was more uh, successful and had more juice than, than I thought it did to be able to kind of lure big IP holders like Disney, for example, uh, to risk the license that way. I think I, I'm intrigued by this. I don't think we're going to see, you know, Christian, you said it's supposedly been in in uh, development for like 18 months, but I, I don't think we're going to see anything about this game, if it is even real, for right. another two years. You know, it's it, these games take forever to make, and um, this one in particular feels like it's just sort of getting traction now. Um, yeah, I mean, I would chalk this up to similar to uh, Midnight Suns and Firaxis, where mm. yeah. those games I think are historically maybe bigger sellers than what you would think that Heavy Rain or um, 
some uh, Quantic Dreams games are, but it still feels like, wait, you're going to take these Marvel Wolverine and it's going to be card based tactical. And they're like, yeah, we are. And it's going to be great. And you're going to go on walks with Tony Stark and you're going to love it. And it's not the expected kind of approach that you would think of maybe this big budget triple uh, a IP would look to do in the game space, but I love that they're doing it all. You know, we can have the big Wolverine insomniac style game. You get, there's room for midnight sun. I think there's room for something like a quantic dream, star Wars game. How can um, you just meld Marvel and star Wars together? Like they're the same thing. You keep using, yes. I know, but you keep using yes. it like, well, we see Marvel everywhere. And there's just another star Wars game. It's like, well, they're very two distinct, very different things i don't they're not to me they're all disney plus to me like it it really is it's all disney plus and it's all everywhere uh it's the same universe what if jeff what if what if what if (laughs) uh just to put a just to put a a capper on this story the reason this this rumor gained traction is because uh a tweet about it by some by the game post um was liked by quantic dreams official account so and then cool. dual shockers heard from their sources some can yeah. you know it, it, it's at this point where like we've also heard and enough people are like we also heard but yeah. there's been nothing like very official yet you know yeah and i suspect this will be one of those things that we forget about and then two years later at e3 there's like some big <laughs> reveal and say like, what oh yeah i remember that anyway um my story of the week is uh there was hey there was a publisher's event uh online streaming event this week if it's not hosted by jeff Keeley. it's not real so don't it was hosted it. by jeff Keeley. you're in luck christian spicer it's got that Keeley seal of approval he does everything friend of the knocked, show friend of the show jeff knocked Keeley. it out of the park all the time he does the guy knows how to sit in front of his awards <laughs> i'm kidding uh we love jeff um thq nordic celebrated its 10th anniversary this week by hosting their first ever digital game showcase. And yes, it was Jeff Keighley who, uh, who hosted it and uh, debuted a number of games. Uh, THQ says that they have, what, 40-some-odd games in development? What is it? Uh, yeah, that drop at the 42 end. 42 games. <laughs> 42 games in development, which is also, coincidentally, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Uh, 42 games in development. They showed six. So, you know, they got a lot still still in the in the holster, I guess. Uh, but the six new game... I mean, they also showed some games we knew about, uh, which is cool. But the six new games uh, that were debuted or, or unveiled were Destroy All Humans 2, Reprobed, Outcast 2, A New Beginning. Outcast, of course, a game from the 90s, the late 90s. Uh, Expeditions Run, we knew about uh, MX versus ATV Legends, Superpower 3, Jagged Alliance 3, talk about those uh, turn based strategy games, and then, of course, the big mic drop, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake. So, Janet, I don't know if you had an opportunity to see this presentation, but what do you think about it? I mean, I feel like in the age of of uh, what I like to call the um, the Nintendo directification of the entire industry. <laughs> uh, these companies all, you know, want to have their day in the spotlight, and, and why not? Uh, THQ Nordic has a bunch of studios and a bunch of games in development. What did you think about this particular presentation? 
Yeah, I mean, it is interesting seeing who decides to, like, step up to the plate and be like, I think I'm big enough to do my own show pace. Like, <laughs> right. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, THQ is so odd because they have, like, a... V- they kind of own like almost everything. They own like a lot of stuff. They do. But it's yeah. like a really specific like vibe. Like even looking at this list, it's like okay, it's like are you kind of old, <laughs> and are you yes, longing for the old. time of before? Like that's kind of the vibe that THQ gives off. Um, yeah, totally true. Said, it, it definitely, you know, there's a reason that like I saw this and I was like, I'm gonna keep scrolling for my store of the week just because <laughs> for me, there's not a lot of like. Oh, yeah. Like, could some of these games be, you know, fire? Sure, absolutely. Like, you know, they made a sequel to Outcast. Maybe, obviously, they see something there that, like, I don't, I'm not necessarily aware of. Maybe that's going to be fire. I don't know. Um, But in Destroy Our Humans, I think it's probably uh, next to SpongeBob, once again, weird phrase, (laughs) is probably like (laughs) one of the more like heavy hitters in terms of like, even if you don't know, you know what this is type deal. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of like, continuing a franchise i never knew or care to know <laughs> a little bit <laughs> it's personally. very true I'm, I'm in that boat too i mean this is my story of the week just because i feel like old it's a big publisher event we gotta <laughs> highlight it on the show like all the other ones but uh because i'm old is that what you said christian uh-huh. i am old i do remember the first outcast so i'm old i um, feel like oh go ahead sorry i was reviewing video games at that time so i'm old but um <laughs> You're absolutely right, Jen. It's like the vibe of all these. It's like this THQ Nordic is like, hey, remember the old THQ? <laughs> and if you do, have we got some games for you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to find. I mean, Expeditions Rome, which was the known quantity or one of the known quantities here, uh, looks really cool. I think that is uh, an interesting, deep, big role playing game in a cool setting with some neat uh, systems. Uh, I really enjoyed the sort of deep dive that they showed during this presentation for Expeditions Rome. Um, I think Jagged Alliance 3 could be interesting, although, you know, it seems a little generic as well. And, and showing Outcast 2, like it started with this, this beautiful visuals of these settings. And then by the time it shows the main character, it's like, oh, yeah. Remember when all video games starred the same guy? The same, like dark-haired, gravelly-voiced idiot. Like, oh, yeah, I remember there was a time when every video game had the same main character. (laughs) And that time was still, except for a few games. (laughs) Well, I think it's, I think there's a sea change happening. Yes, it is getting, it is getting better. It's been a long time since I've seen, yes, it's been a long time (laughs) since I've seen that guy until the, the the Outcast 2 trailer. I was like, oh, that guy I haven't seen in a while. But that guy used to be everything. It's like, oh, that was like the Nolan North guy. Just the guy, that guy, you know? Um, anyway, so maybe it'll feel old-fashioned. Maybe they'll figure out a way to uh, revitalize a very, very... I mean, I would guess most people have never heard of Outcast that are playing video games now. I mean, it, it is very old They haven't old put out an album in a while. You know, like Andre does his own mm. thing, comes back down to yeah. earth, drops a verse. We all love it and disappears yeah. again. It's hard. Yeah, You got to... Uh, Shake it like I'm a sorry. Polaroid picture, you know? There yeah, we go. Uh, I can sit like you're just loading in the reference. You're like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying this to let list, it sink in. This list to me, and this isn't meant about the quality of any of these games, but just kind of the eclectic nature of the collection. It feels like a Target or Walmart end cap. Where I'm just like, 
are these all together? <laughs> that one's cool. Like it's like it just seems it just seems like that's like you like video games, you know, and you're like, oh, cool. I like. There's a racing game. There's a platformer. There's a strategy. There. It's just like, yeah. I don't know what the through line is. It, like someone sent Grandma to the store, but they didn't give her the list, and she's yes. asking the associate, like, my, you know, grandson loves games. Does he like cars? Yeah, yeah, he does like cars. What about ATVs? Yes, that sounds yes. great. Aliens yeah. are always in. It's it. Yeah, it it feels. This is a- the same grandmother that they make those like the transmogrifier movie, you know, it's like the same font as Transformers, but it says transmogrifiers on the DVD case. It's just yes, like absolutely. the whole business model is to trick grandma. Titanic too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's your THQ Nordic uh, update, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we didn't really give it. But you I know, mean, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, of this list, I think the only thing that probably pull me in is Destroy All Humans 2 doing well enough for there to be a Destroy All Humans 3. Like, that is a franchise I think is fun and can do interesting things. But I feel like I've seen remasters or remakes or H. I feel like there's been several of these already. Um, And then SpongeBob. Like, if that, it looks pretty, if that plays well. I think that could be a fun, you know, weekend game with the kids, but none of these jumped out like, you know, none of these are God of War, you know, none yeah. of these are Halo Infinite or Forza Horizon 5. It'd be it's, wild. Can you imagine if SpongeBob SquarePants, the Cosmic Shake, was at the quality of God of War? Like, for no re- <laughs> like that would be crazy. That would be wild. That's that like, trick. Sponge. <laughs> I was trying to do sponge like I was saying boy. Yeah. But it didn't really work. It didn't really work. But sponge. I would um, love if it's all one cut. You know, there's no, there's no edits. <laughs> <Can> no, you, <laughs> taking it just really seriously. Incredible. Uh, that would be amazing. I'd be down for that. Um, Corey, can we get on that? Uh, I never listen, Corey. Uh, let's not uh, end on that for for the story of the week. I, I want to. I would talk about one other thing that I think could be fun. Um, it turns out, Twisted Metal is going to be a TV show. And it's going to star Anthony Mackie. You know Anthony Mackie as the Falcon from Marvel stuff. Uh, he, I really enjoy his performance as the Falcon. Uh, and uh, he's going to star in, this has just been announced this week, he will star in the Twisted Metal TV show. This has been reported by a deadline. Sony Television and PlayStation Productions is developing a half-hour series None of your uh, hour-long Twisted Metal drama shows. No, this is going to be a get in, get out, twist that metal fast. Um, uh, Mackie's also serving as executive producer. It's being described as an action comedy about a, quote, motor-mouthed outsider who has a chance at a better life if he's successful in delivering a package while surviving vehicular combat. Like, who's... Is Sweet Tooth in it? Like, oh, of course, Sweet Tooth is in this. How? Well, that's the only thing that anyone knows about Twisted Metal. It's, it's Sweet like, Tooth. Is that who? Is that who Anthony Mackie? Be, is this like a Sweet Tooth origin story? Like, I'm so curious. Like, there's so much random things that could happen. Like winks and nods, and like, is is David Jaffe gonna be like the paper boy that gets run over? You know, like, there's got to be silly things like that in this show. To me, I think it's it's got to be over the top. What do you think, Jenna? Does this have any chance of being good? Oh, why'd you ask me that question? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God, probably not. But I feel like it'll be 
it, well, okay. So here's the thing that I think could be cool because I, I struggle to imagine that they're going to perfectly land the comedy so that's not too cheesy because that's like the risk with action comedy. And like even Marvel stuff, um, you know, falls into this sometimes where like I know some people are like, the Marvel movies are hilarious. And I'm like, mm, sometimes it's just kind of cheesy. <laughs> sometimes they are <laughs> funny. So I think they can walk that line. So I feel like that's maybe the best it could pull off. I do think action wise, there could be some really fun sequences because of like the nature of Twisted Metal being like, a bunch of fun explosions and like crazy vehicles um i'm yeah. kind of intrigued by this idea of like delivering a package while surviving vehicular combat is this gonna be like an amazon prime origin story <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a when, I, when you unique, click that day one delivery what's really going down yeah, unique synergy event with uh, amazon prime streaming I mean, kind uh, of this is the description for Mad Max Fury Road, right? Except it's a quiet-mouthed outsider, has a chance at a better life if he's successful in delivering a package while surviving vehicular combat. Like, that's what that true. was. You know, just get rid of motor mouth and I mean, mask mouth. If, if you really want to parse this, uh, which it sounds like you guys do, it does seem <laughs> odd that it's like, I really need, uh, I need three pounds of toothpaste delivered by 2 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, oh, oh, something I should mention. <laughs> There's going to be vehicular combat happening constantly during that period. But I need the toothpaste to arrive. I, I feel like this is a... <laughs> vehicular combat? What? I feel like this is a trapped in a, you know, like, TV show kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's what it is. It's like Thor Ragnarok in the um, Jeff Goldblum Thunderdome. I, that's my guess of what this is. Like, what, I love Anthony Mackie. Like, they're not tons of stuff in terms of like i don't know his like deep pull deep cut career but he's charismatic as all get out he's a hunk uh and he plays the serious moments in marvel stuff really really well so i think in terms of like casting someone and and to have the the star of cap four headlining your new tv show is pretty dang good he did a um, uh there's a show i think it was called solo or solos i don't know if either of you saw this but it's a it was a show where um there's only one act it's huge actors but there's only one actor in it and usually they interacted with themselves in some weird way uh and he played it's like a it's almost like a black mirror type like sci-fi thing and he played a guy who is uh dying of a um of a uh uh a fatal disease and so hires a company to make a clone of himself and then the, the whole episode is him talking to the clone and trying to mm. like set everything up he's like i'm gonna die soon so i just want you to be cool and it's fascinating like seeing him act with himself uh i thought he was great fantastic in that episode i highly recommend it yeah, that's not really interesting. I yeah. also hearing that this is like Anthony Mackie. I'm just like, is Bucky going to be there? <laughs> that's like <laughs> yeah. what I really want. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it also begs the question, like, you know, so is is this like Anthony Mackie, a gamer confirmed? I mean, he's he likes he's in Marvel. <laughs> so that's already like pretty nerdy. But like, is was he like really into Twisted Metal? Like, you know, like what's yeah, the yeah. I'm so curious as to like what his relationship with that is and what he feels like is important to play up um for that depiction but yeah i mean whenever you do video game stuff it's always like a weird shot in the dark and i think if nothing else like what i kind of enjoy seeing from this kind of stuff is just like what is their take like how are they going to do this adaptation what stuff do they pull from like 
it pro- it probably won't be good statistically because it's hard to make good stuff, especially when you're pulling in like game stuff to like another medium. Um, but I'll, I'll be curious to see like how they sort of throw it together and and what they you know pull away from it. Yeah, and there's not a lot of action comedies, especially half hour action comedies. So just in that sense, I'm kind of rooting that rooting for it. Like it, it could be cool to have a. I hope that they do a budget that involves a lot of cool car crashes and vehicular combat. That'd be fun. Make it a goofy half hour, big budget action show. Like uh, I could, I could be into that. We'll see. In my head, we'll it's free guy plus death race 2000. Right. Like, yeah. That's, that's what you want. The model, right? I was yeah. also like, thinking like the, the racing scene from uh ready player one. Oh, like, oh that yeah. Was also yeah. Sort of throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, well, uh, that does it for the news. Uh, We'll talk about the games that we have been playing now. Uh, But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace! Do you have a reason to make a website? Chances are you do, because everything needs to be online. If you're going to make a portfolio, if you're going for a job, if you want to showcase your work in some way, if you want to blog, if you have an actual brick-and-mortar business that needs to have an online presence, you want to sell things online you'd need a website but who wants to make it themselves you don't want to have to learn html you don't want to have to hire somebody to make it well guess what you can make it yourself and you don't have to worry about learning html you can use squarespace they have incredible tools that make it so easy that you can make it yourself you can create a website that is beautiful and unique and does exactly what you need it to do And you can do it all by yourself because Squarespace allows you to start with great templates. They have these world-class designers making great templates. And you start with that and then you just drag and drop. It's what you see is what you get. You're moving stuff around. You're making the website look how you would like it to look. Just visually, it's so simple. It's so easy. You can sell products by just dropping in e-commerce functionality. It's a couple of clicks and you can make it work. Uh, it's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to do anything. In fact, you don't even have to patch Squarespace ever. You don't have to worry about that. It all happens in the background automatically taken care of for you. They have built-in search engine optimization. They have free and secure hosting. And if you ever run into any issues, they have award-winning 24-7 support, customer support. So... What's stopping you? You can make it yourself. Oh, by the way, we can help you out too. If you go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and use the promo code Jeff sent me. Well, first of all, you can get a free trial. You don't even have to put in your, your credit card. There's no automatic charge. You just use their tools for absolute free. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And then when you're ready to launch your website, when you've got it all situated and how you want, make sure you like it before you give them a penny. But when you are ready to launch, use a promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. You can also get domains at Squarespace. It's a great way to buy domains. They have over 200 extensions, a really awesome front end that helps suggest alternate ideas for uh, domains so you can get the perfect domain for your website. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off.
All right, it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing. Janet, I, I, I know that you have completed Deathloop. Christian and I just barely started playing it, and here you are, done and done. I can't wait to talk about this game. Uh, it's getting incredible scores all over the place, and uh, it seems like everybody's talking about Deathloop, Arcane Studios' newest game that just came out this week. Tell me what you think of it. Yeah, I love it. Um, I believe it's my game of the year. It finally killed Chicory, which is sad because that game is so fun and special and adorable, but it just walked up and just shot that dog right in the head. <laughs> like, honestly. Um, but yeah, it, in, in all honesty, it's fantastic. I think what I like the most about it is how many like opportunities it gives you to be creative and sort of take your own approach to different problems it gives you where you're kind of given these different objectives and uh, the more you get to know the area the more you can kind of experiment with how you want to go about you know hitting a solution and it totally lends itself well whether you want are really aggressive or whether you go in stealthy which i feel like is such a cliche because every game under the sun is like you can sneak up behind them or you can shoot them in the head. <laughs> right. That's every game. But I feel like with this one, because it has like the power integrate integrated too. like, I'm a big fan of supernatural abilities in games paired with uh, more traditional uh, like combat, such as just general melee or shooting. The guns have fun buffs. Like it just gives you just enough to constantly be tweaking and adjusting what you're doing. Even if you ultimately stick to like a main style, like for me, I am very much like, into stealth and that's the main way i play i found like you know i like the invisibility and i liked nexus and i stuck mostly stuck to those but even in that like i found little ways to iterate um and there's something just so cool about getting to know an area of a game super intimately um i brought this up i think on the min max show but for me like i have a guides background where i i did a lot of guides for ign and i would stare at like a game and you know slowly describe it and you really get to like know environments in that way but obviously that's very specific to like writing guides and like you wouldn't really do that in your leisure time but this was cool because it kind of gave you a gameplay and story reason to get to know an area really intimately and in that there was just so much fun and creativity and like things to do um yeah i absolutely adored it i'd recommend it to everybody even if you're not into like shooting or into like those if you feel like it's not normally your kind of game check it out look at the gameplay like i think there's something there for everyone because it's just i just think it's really fun i struggle to imagine someone playing it and giving it a good shot maybe i'd say like a you know a two to four hour try and not liking it like i just think it's fun as hell yeah i mean it, it really is um doing is a mashup of stuff that we've sort of seen before, but I think the mashing up of the things really makes it feel original and different than anything. I mean, you're basically doing a lot of the stuff you you do in video games and particularly in arcane video games. I mean, if you've played dishonored, it's not that different an experience mechanically, but it's really interesting to see how a triple a studio like arcane has been influenced. And I think a lot of AAA studios are, are, are doing this and we're seeing the fruits of that uh, over and over are being influenced by indie studios that are really doing a lot of roguelites um, because I mean, all of that roguelike stuff that DNA seeps into this in, it's like if dishonored and dead cells had a baby, you know um, it really is interesting how, the narrative is informed by that, how the 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 way you progress through the game is informed by this 
sense of being a roguelike, but kind of filtered through uh, a studio that's been making games for a long time in a very specific way. And does that resonate to you at all, Janet? Janet? Yeah, I mean, I, I I will say I have a little bit of a point of contention with like roguelike or roguelite even being assigned this game because I do think it has like and it's kind of up for debate and I think genre definitions are always sort of in flux and we're really bad I think at documenting like what are the different definitions of like gaming terms that we throw out there but yeah. I think the repetition is certainly reminiscent of of a rogue but it doesn't have the the lack of procedural generation is like I think the big differentiator and then yes. combined with like it's a time game, but like time moves at, like you know when time's moving because it only changes when you go through tunnels. So I think it's interesting and in that I, I do think it takes inspiration from it, but I feel like it's like, okay, what if we took that idea of repetition, but gave it a more, I think, generally approachable twist? Because I do think as someone that isn't a big fan of Roguelex, because I'm like, I don't want to die all the time. It's too hard. I can't predict certain things. I am getting yeah. better. But like, I, I personally find that genre kind of frustrating and a bit polarizing for me as a player. And they're like, okay, well, what if we took away the randomness of that? And also, what if we like actually kind of gave you three lives with the slab you start with early on? So it's not really like a one thing and you're dead. So I think they found ways to sort of take what people like about that and give it their own little twist to it um though for what's with playstation labels and under like roguelikes to recommend but i personally probably wouldn't use that genre umbrella but i do think it's taking inspiration from a lot of things for sure i think you bring up awesome points there and i totally agree with you i think to me that is the most fascinating element of death loop uh for my I, i have not played it nearly as much as you have but for my limited amount of playtime so far I I am struck by what that that exact uh hypothetical or or not hypothetical in this case that that question which is what if roguelike but not random what if it is predictable what you and and that is that's the notion of the groundhog day esque time loop thing right is is that there's some empowerment that happens when you know exactly where things are going to be. And video games have offered that since their inception, since we had a save game, since we had, I mean, Mega Man, right? It becomes a, a pattern recognition. I mean, earlier than Mega Man, Donkey Kong, right? Is pattern recognition. It's just, I know, because I play this over and over, I know where everything is going to be at a certain time. And the, the more I can make use of that, the better, the higher my skill can be. It's funny that you bring up Mega Man because um, I was having like the genre conversation with my boyfriend who recently started Deathloop as well. Um, and he's like, yeah, it's it's like a 3D Mega Man. He's like, except he's <laughs> like, and you still jump and you shoot. And it's like you kill the bosses, which are like the visionaries. Yeah. And you get their power. Like, that's literally that's literally what Mega Man is. So it is, you know, I see a lot of people complimenting Deathloop as it's never oh it's like this is we've never seen this before and i'm like ah i think we've kind of seen like (laughs) what the brilliance of it to me is its ability to take so many brilliant ideas and mash them up into something that does feel unique i think it being able to give people that feeling i think that the reason i think people having that reaction is a testament to the design i don't think it's necessarily like it's not how i would react to it specifically but i think that's the magic of it where it feels totally brand new despite being made of all these pieces that we've even seen in the studio's own games so yeah Yeah. a really good time that's such a great point i before you get to christian i want to just kind of touch on the narrative from your perspective because it's infused with this notion that you know break the loop and 
Uh, obviously, I haven't seen as much of it as you have. Were you satisfied by the narrative? Did you were you drawn in by these characters that that sort of uh, you know versus dynamic that's set up right at the beginning? Um, yes and no. Like yes, because I was I think it was really fascinating, but no in the sense that it wasn't quite enough for me to want to like stop and read through all these emails really carefully. Now I think it does a great job of doing the classic. Oh, it popped up for the information. But funnily enough, though, watching my boyfriend play it like i brought him onto my stream to kind of like usually i stream like on fridays with like a new game that's out but if i already beat the game i'm like well i'm not gonna pretend to oh it's brand new oh, oh, to what's, it, so. yeah oh i beat it yeah 48 minute yeah. speed run oh wow exactly it's just my footage just playing and i'm just <laughs> narrating it um yeah so sometimes i'll bring him on and get that fresh perspective and sort of talk about what i do know from it and like watching him play it i'm like oh this is great like i'll read all the notes for you because like i kind of did want to get that extra lore because i do think it's a fascinating world for where it ended i feel satisfied enough you know without giving it away but i i did kind of i think maybe want more elements fleshed out um but i think what the game sort of does narratively is invite you to be curious about the world and maybe do some of that side stuff um Again, now that he's playing, like, he told me about, like, some NPC that he met and a new piece of lore. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And it makes me want to go back and really do a deep dive. Um, I do think what the strongest thing narratively for me is, is just how fun and different the characters are. Like, they all have such a distinct personality. And I feel like that's so rare in games where everyone feels highly archetypal. I'm not going to say that Deathloop doesn't have archetypes because it totally does. But it just feels like, oh, okay, we have, like... You know, these are characters we've seen before, but it just feels like they're so much more real in how they're fleshed out. Um, you know, Alexis Dorsey, who is like one of the heavily marketed characters, like he's having this party, like he's so pompous and arrogant and hor- like I hate him, but he's so well written <laughs> that I, like, I'm obsessed. Like I love, and they, they add so many like fun little details that make those characters feel alive. Uh, again, this is like not really a spoiler, but like a small detail, but like, there's a a scene where you like realize or like a, a piece of dialogue where you're like, okay, he loves he loves beer on tap and chocolate stouts are his favorite beer. Like little stuff like that, where it's like it just feels like you get a really intimate understanding of who these characters are and what makes them tick and what their personalities are. Um and they're just they're so memorable for that reason. Yeah. I think Arcane has actually done a good job of that over over their history. I mean, I feel like this characters in Dishonored and the characters in Prey, uh are, are a little more well-rounded than you, your typical video game antagonists, or at least maybe not well-rounded, but at least memorable. You know, they have interesting uh, quirks that uh, always feel like they stand out. Um, Christian, I know you've been playing a ton of this as well. As much as the, I think the game is influenced and inspired by uh, roguelikes and roguelites, although obviously Janet disagrees uh, to a certain extent. <laughs> Um, I also was struck by how it seems to have lifted ideas from something like Dark Souls. You know, these these notes that are left in in the context of the game world seem to be a direct homage to that system in in the Souls games. Um, what do you make of Arcane's sort of um, mashup and riffing on all these different ideas? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it certainly does not exist in a vacuum. And per my PlayStation 5, I'm like seven hours. I think it rounds up. My heart tells me I'm probably at like nine, but I'm not sure how it counts. Like, I love, this is currently my game of the year. I'm hard-pressed to think of one. Maybe Forza Horizon will top it just because of that 
playground <laughs> games um I, I might fall in love with but i i absolutely i love this game i want to i'm thinking about it when i'm not playing it um it is stressful for me to play i like janet i am very much falling into being a stealthy um player is kind of my go-to it has nice breaks where you're able to put the controller down and walk away and i will and then like 30 minutes later i'll be like i should play some more of that and then i'll get into the middle of a sequence and i'll be like I, i'm stopping after this this is i can't handle it and then i'll think about it again and want to come back to it um it, it's phenomenal to your question jeff i'm not sure how much this game is necessarily pulling from all of those other influences as much as it is excuse me kombucha getting choked up yeah it's as like much you as had no is, idea you're going to be doing a podcast tonight. i kind of like it because it adds like a bit of drama i'm like oh what's he gonna you. say now it's like is he gonna barf all over his microphone <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is my tongue his dying is wish <laughs> pomegranate it's delicious um now you know my favorite beer and my i like my kombucha bottled and i like it uh during a podcast so alexis dorsey um, over here world building <laughs> yeah <laughs> um we must kill him it's 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 the clockwork mansion from dishonored 2 fully realized in so many ways like to me i'm sure there are other examples in other studios but i almost I, I, in this moment i cannot think of a game or a developer firing on all cylinders the way arcane is in deathloop the, the extreme confidence behind the vision of the game they are making is is just so flexed. I mean, it's Hulk ripping out of his clothes. Like the what they wanted to make and the way they made it and everything adding into that from the set deck, the art style, the recoil on weapons, uh, the voice acting is just exquisite. Even like what would typically just be barks in a game, right? But then the the main characters and how they're interacting with each other and the, the memos left behind, like this is all of those arcane games, just kind of, they were told to go, you know, we believe in you, go. And, and they did, and everything just comes together. And the level design, you know, between these these parts of the world, it, it's, it's like a... Uh, it's like a prize box. You know, every, every time you run through a thing, I feel like I find something else interesting about it or, or if I'm using this slab, I could have approached it this way, but I don't have that slab in my loadout this time. So I'm going to do that, but I'm going to remember that. And, and it respects the player to remember that. Yes. There's stuff called out in your journal. Yes. It's focused in a way that it tells you what to do and, and when to do it and how to do it if you want to do that. But it also, you figure out stuff. Oh, I need this thing to get into this door. Not in this run. You can't even actually do that right now. But then later you'll do it and be like, oh, now I have this thing. What is that thing? There's a door. Well, I can't do it now. Okay, when can I do it? And then you can go back and do it. And then it pays off in some glorious way. Not always in a, you know, you've ended a loop, you win the game kind of way, but it's the next piece of this puzzle box just kind of slowly unfolding in front of you. The levels are vertical, in, in fun and exciting ways, it's it's just it's just an absolute triumph. My only reservation, having not rolled credits, and I don't think this will prevent me from having the same opinion that I do now. I think that this game is 
I, my guess is that this game is similar to Portal and Portal 2, where it feels like there's a lot of experimentation and improvisation that's happening as you're kind of building to this thing, and then you finish it, and there's only one real way to open this puzzle box. Like, there might be, like, five. But at the end of the day, you kind of got to end game, is my guess. And I could see some people being like, eh, I don't like that. Janet, I might be totally wrong, but my guess is that I kind of get all these things together and figure out all this stuff. It's kind of like I've built the dominoes. Now I'm going to go topple them over one of a few ways. But even if that is the case, getting there and building up this destruction and, and figuring out this world and just breathing it in is, is phenomenal. Like it, again, it's the most confident game I've played in a very, very, very long time. I, I love it. I love it so much. I don't want to hype up the like mechanical ending too much because then you know maybe that i'll be like oh no it's too hype but i I will say that like it's too much um i mean playing the game it's very clear like where where the game's going mechanically and if you've even looked at the marketing it's like you have to kill the visionaries and your whole thing is like getting them lined up so that you can knock over the dominoes so in that in that sense yes like we're all knocking over the dominoes it's not like there's it's not going to be anything too crazier than knocking over those dominoes but i will say the act of actually knocking them over just like dominoes in real life it's because it's not just it it is six you know the six or seven or whatever visionaries like all of them together there's only a few of them but imagine really like that satisfaction of when you knock something over and you get to hear this it is like the (laughs) it is one of the best like it's not really a final boss in the sense that it's just a bunch of enemies that you're killing but like it's the best final boss quote-unquote that i've had in like ages like i was like i was so i was living for it and and it's weird because you would think that like okay well i've killed the visionaries before like sure i'm doing it like all together but like okay it's like now it's we're putting all the pieces together but something about it it's like it's a it's a symphony of sweets like it really just is and like (laughs) down to the wire for me too on whether because i was like oh if i if i like die for real for real then i do have to probably i'm assuming just do it all over again um and the stress of that and then the um you know just get to a point where you're going more into the unknown and like when you go into like a more unknown state it's like oh man like what's here like but i'm stressed because i just did all that work so like i love like it had it had the challenge it had the tension it had the satisfaction and and it, it did one of the things that i wish more games did where the final sequence or boss or whatever you want to call it is exactly what I've been training for. Because one one gripe I have with a lot of games is it always feels like the final boss is like the standardized testing of gaming, where it's like, okay, we're doing all these things, and like, sure, the boss has me maybe shoot or jump, but it doesn't feel like the main skill I've built in the game, you know? Like, even in something yes. like you know, Mario, where it's like, okay, well, I'm technically jumping when I kill Bowser, but like, this isn't like most of the game. Like, it just feels distinctly yes. like not the same in a way that's like not my favorite. But for this, like, it's perfect because this is this is what I've been doing. Like I know, like now I just got to go and I got to run the table. And it's so it's it. I feel like I am maybe I don't know if I'm overselling. It. I think it's so damn cool. And like it's so good that again, my boyfriend's doing his playthrough and he's played a little bit outside of uh, me being able to sit down and, and watch and be Julian and try to kill him in the game. But I'm like, no matter. I'm like, you can play without me if you want to. I can't stop you because I'm too busy. But please when you get to the end i gotta see it all come to like it's just it's so fun it's so fun i love hearing you talk it. about it it's so it's so cool i'm totally on the same page with you by the way with most boss battles i will take more enemies than i've ever fought before over a unique weird boss encounter 
any day of the week. I love when games are like, okay, here's the here's the crescendo, and the crescendo is an onslaught of all the things you've been doing rather than, okay, here's the crescendo, and now instead of the game you've been playing, you're going to be spinning plates. Okay, I'd spin all those plates. You know, it's like, it's so exactly what you said. It's, it's not what I've been playing for the last, not what I've been enjoying this whole time. Now all of a sudden I'm playing this other game that is most likely less interesting. It's just different and therefore challenging because like you said, I haven't been training for this. So I'm totally on that page. I, I, I love how you describe it, Janet. And, and that's kind of what I was hoping and, and expecting. And you've oversold it. And now I, the game won't live up to those. I'm just kidding. Um, now, when you don't like it, you're like, you can angrily tweet at me if you hate it, but I, I think you'll enjoy it. Even in the smaller moments, I feel like just, you know, the one-off visionaries or whatever you're kind of going through have those moments. And to know that it builds to the larger thing is just fantastic. Because there are moments in smaller ones where it's like, <laughs> these idiot devs put this here and I found it that no one knows this is here. And like, clearly they, but I'm like, oh, I can just do this now. I'm the smartest person in the world. Meanwhile, it's like the room's lit to point me over there. There's a sound cue to draw me over there. There's enemies coming from the other. And I'm just like, <laughs> no one thought I'd look here. <laughs> yeah. And like everything comes together in such a satisfying way. Um, some folks in the chat are bringing up the PC issues. I, uh, I did purchase this game on PS five, uh, because I was, I was reading some of digital foundry stuff on PC. It seems like it has a, not quite a frame stutter per se, but kind of a mouse hinder. You kind of got to cap your frame rate, even if you have a beefy, beefy GPU. And then on PS five, I am playing in the 60 FPS mode, which I really struggle with because this game is beautiful. I think it is, it is stunning. I think it is a looker of a game from art direction through execution, but I haven't played with ray tracing on. And I feel like this game is calling for me to have ray tracing on. Like there's so many cool lights and ambient effects and propeller blades (laughs) spinning that make me want ray tracing. Um, But I hope that PC stuff gets, gets worked out and what a flex of a game too, right? Like, Sony was like, this game's a hit. And Microsoft was also like, this game's a hit. It's like a weird relic of a thing that came out before they all go yeah, to Microsoft uh, is like, give it to PlayStation. It's, no, but, you know, they're going to, there's no, there's definitely going to be like a game of the year edition, right? That comes out on game pass a year from now, whenever this exclusivity is up, but just a triumph. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. I've been I've only barely been playing it. I, I I got a contract job for another thing and I've been playing something I'm not allowed to talk about yet. Uh hopefully someday I'll be able to talk about it at length because I really want to. But uh I've only dipped my toe into uh Deathloop a bit on PlayStation 5. And um it is uh it, I haven't I haven't yet been hooked in the way that you guys are are talking about, but I I'm so early on I can't even I can't even comment. Uh, but uh, I'm excited to feel the way you feel. I, I, I sense that the game has a lot going on and uh, can't wait to get in deeper on it. All right. Uh, so that is Deathloop. I'm sure we'll be talking about it over the next several weeks as well. But Janet, what else have you been playing? 
Uh, I finally beat Death's Door. Uh, we're finally finishing games, y'all. I don't just start them. Sometimes I finish them. So uh, this, I've been chipping away at this for a while because it is at that point of the year where I'm looking back at my favorite games and I'm like, I should probably try to finish as many of these as I can. Like I, you know, kind of have a running top 10 list that I keep interchanging and I would love to have at least the majority of those world credits on um, just to be able to speak to them further. But yeah, Death's Door. Uh, you know, shout out to Xbox. Uh, it's a great game. Super fun. Very like Zelda-like. Um, pretty challenging combat. I, I think fair, but challenging It would be how I describe it. And I think one thing that's kind of impressive to me, especially because there's only like a fairly small number of enemy types in the game, like it never felt repetitive, which was sort of surprising because it's not like it's totally reinventing the wheel with each area. But I think it was just different enough, you know, they had like a garden area and like a factory area and then they give you like new abilities, you know, you get like an arrow and then you get like, and it, and it does like great thing in games where um, you get this in a, in, in Metroidvanias a lot, but it's like, uh, okay, you got that ability. You're like, okay, now, oh, I fire. So I can light that thing from like two hours ago and like the yeah. place, <laughs> the only beef I have with the game, the only beef is that there is no map. And I think some games don't need a map. I don't think Death's Door is one of those games. <laughs> like, I, agree. I I just really feel like, and I get what they were trying to do with it. I I imagine at least that they really wanted to create a feeling of true exploration, like pure exploration. But I'm like, here's the thing too, especially like for it being such a Zelda game. I'm like, y- y- y'all notice how Zelda has a map? Like, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, I feel <laughs> yeah. like there was a disconnect at that one point. But um, such a fun one, you know. I hope it comes to. It's funny because with Deathloop, it's like you know hopefully like when it comes to xbox eventually that'll be dope for those players and i feel the inverse way about death's door like i hope that eventually comes to playstation because it'd be such a fun platinum uh such a lovely game amazing sound track as well uh great great art direction it's just such a joy uh, definitely play it if you haven't yet yeah yeah i i totally agree with you on the map thing it it, it does seem like a weird omission especially because it, 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 the game is sort of disorienting on a number of levels like you know they it's beautiful and gorgeous and there are ways to get my bearings at in places but it just just give me the little let me push a button and it's just very maze like is the thing yeah yeah i, I uh, think but gorgeous i think it's approach to a map and there were definitely times when i got lost in a air quote map it almost demands you play it and beat it in a weekend because like i found yeah. you know, go through it has like that the bringing up souls games for death loop i feel like this also has that demon souls dark Souls. like you're unlock constantly unlocking shortcuts and so once you find one and get one you're like oh well that's now okay so that's i'm, I'm gonna yeah. go through that right now go back to the door go, get my save now i know that super that easy to here. forget that's the right. thing yeah right. and so as you, long as you're you, in you it, set it down for a week and you pick it back up and you're like wait where did that door go? Oh, man. And yeah. even just oh, in the man. hub world, which is like the Hall of Doors, yes. where you have these portals and like I'll or or just like little just those like little weird things where like it does make narrative sense. But like I remember being like the first boss and not knowing like, like wh- wh- where do I go now? And it's like, oh, you go back to this one area. But I'm like, well, can someone can someone tell me that? Can someone yes. say, can, yep. the, can the crow think to himself about <laughs> totally it or something? Did. I I wandered around looking, talking to people like somebody has to tell me which of these doors to go through again because all of them go to places I've been before. So I clearly am not supposed to go to those places. Like, no, you are. <laughs> it's, when yeah, I was I, same experience. When I was jamming the game, I had no issue. And but then there was like I I was jamming it. I'm playing it through um, 
GeForce Now first when I was, you know, in Wyoming, and I was like, I had no problems. Then I traveled back, and it was like four days later, and I had no, and then I definitely, YouTube was my map, you know? <laughs> like, I needed to pull up a guide, scrub it at 2x speed, just get right to where I was, and then again, no problem. And then I'd put it down for two days, and then come back, and it's like hard to pick up, but my gut is I think that's in play testing that's the feeling i think that game was going for you're just kind of in it and you're feeling it and then if you do get lost you're actually you'll find a secret and it's like oh that's cool it's gonna unlock this give me this little extra perk or this new weapon or whatever um but yeah maps are interesting because they're hard to do well i think yes I mean, yeah. Control got a lot of flack. Oh, you are. I was literally just well. thinking Control. Like <laughs> it's like you read my mind. It's the kombucha <laughs> working, doing its job. Yeah, it's not I just mean, for burps anymore. Not for just for burps or for uh, what is it? Uh, tummies uh, with probiotics. Um, and like I know they refined the map in Control over various releases to to make it easier. And there was another game. Jeff, that we were playing where I was also like really lamenting. Uh, uh, the Jedi game, which we'll call it. The, yeah. uh, oh my Jedi. God, that map is literal. Yeah. It's a hellscape. Like I, I didn't even get that part <laughs> in that game because I played day one, like a base Xbox. So it was kind of like the performance wasn't there. And I was like, I just am tired of games that want me to parry because I don't know how to parry. It's been how many years playing games? I can't do it. Don't make me do it. Um, but yeah, I'm dive like, uh, rolling my butt off over here because I don't want to parry. Yeah, no, I roll so much. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> it's like just it's too much risk. Like, it's not worth it. Like, like, I can't I can't do it. I can't I can't do it. But the map. Yeah, it's just like a maze. So weird. It looks cool, but it's not very functional. So that's what I like. What's what's the better option? Like it, Death Doors, Ooh. no map or like Bad Death map or Loop? no map. Mm. Death Loop also Death Loop like has a spoiler. Death Loop has a map, but it's literally just like here's the the map. You know, it's like the map that you'd see on the Their wall in the video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you walk up to it, like, oh, I can collect the map. Yes, and then you collect it, and it's the same thing that's on the wall. Like nothing changes. It's like oh, this doesn't help me much. Um, I don't know what, yeah, Jenna, what's better? Bad map, no map? I think I'll, oh man, I'll take bad map, but I will say with the caveat of my fear of taking bad map is that maybe they won't do some design things that you would do if you had no map. But I don't mm. think that's necessarily true because going back to control, like, you know, for those who played that, like it, the map was kind of bad. Um, I didn't have a hard time following it personally because they had a lot of in-world stuff that said like you know it was basically a big it's a big office building government building that's sort of surreal in parts if you haven't played the game and so so things were labeled so i was able to figure it out with that and i think death door tries to do that too because they also have like signposts that say like oh this way is the garden or this way is this place but it wasn't quite enough for me so yeah i'll take i'll take a bad map because then at least there's there's hope, you know, you can angle it, you can try to orient yourself a little bit. Yeah. No, I think the answer is clearly bad map because I will I will rage against bad map, but imagine any of those games with a bad map not having a map at all. I would be yeah. like, where am I even supposed to go right now? Yeah, that would be the worst. Where's the cafeteria? Would, yeah. Damn, it's on the bottom floor, I think. <laughs> at least there is a a marker on the map like i know i have a destination i can't quite tell how to get there from here but those are the games oh gosh oh it was um they were bought by stadia and now they're independent again it was a fun game but the in-game hud 
Journey to Forgotten Planet. What was it? Journey to um, Savage Planet. Journey to Savage Planet. Oh, I, I really like that. Game. I think it was way underrated in my opinion. I also really enjoyed that game. Uh, but the in-game HUD would be like north twenty-five meters, yeah. and you couldn't go that yeah, way. Like video yeah. games have told me, I go that way. This is like no, it is on the other side of the mountain. It's, yeah, not as, a, the, as the bird flies, it's that yeah. it's right there. But good luck figuring out how to get to. Now it. you're you above it. Now you're below it. But you got to go above, <laughs> then below. Like just trust it. You know? <laughs> the worst. The worst. Yeah. Um, I noticed you also put uh, Animal Crossing: New Horizons on your your games yeah. you've been playing. Yeah, I'm constantly playing that. I um I've been playing since launch um of the game, but I did like guide stuff and I had like a different island. So I started like my own for fun on my new Switch because I had a day one Switch, then I got the Animal Crossing Switch, and uh, back then you couldn't like transfer islands anyway. So I'm like, I'm just gonna start from scratch and. When Nintendo adds it in, I don't care. And they did eventually add it in, and it didn't matter to me. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, I stream that, like, every week on my Twitch channel, and I'm just slowly... My goal is just to make... feel like my island is done, and that's taking a long time. It's taking a very long time. But, you know, we got some stuff down. We got Nintendo, Nintendo Worlds in there, because I got the Mario items. I built that um, based off photos from the uh, Nintendo World Japan-like websites. Oh, you're serious. Um, That's amazing. Yes. I don't know if it actually looks as cool as what you're picturing in your mind, so just keep that picture in your mind. That's what I mean. <laughs> um, sure. And uh, I'm now decorating uh, outdoor the villager houses for uh, Halloween fall time, and then I'm obviously going to have to redecorate after that with Christmas, so you're never going to get out of the wow. island, but yeah. I'm, that's what I'm slowly working through. Uh, and and it, animals I, work so is never done, you know? Yeah, it's still a good time. <laughs> you know, it's it's me. Pietro came through on the island. I made a twisted carnival for him. Like, I'm having a good time. Would love to see that game get actual support, but I am still having fun, even though I've been giving nothing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Take that, Nintendo. Uh, very cool. Christian Spicer. What about you? What is on your playlist? So a lot of Deathloop, a lot of Deathloop. Then we have one other game in common, but I'll, I'll wait on that and talk about uh, Castlevania Grimoire of Souls, which Ooh. is exclusively on Apple Arcade. What's interesting here is this is a new 2D Castlevania with one of the series GOATS composers coming back with your favorite character from that one Castlevania you love, because, spoiler, they're all in it. Um, And barely a whimper, barely a whimper about this game. And I think part of the reason is it was It's on Apple Arcade. That's the reason. Well, there are some... I will stand by there are some bangers on Apple Arcade. I'm not saying saying there aren't. There is also Tetris Beat. Um, But there are some really great games on Apple Arcade. Um, not all of them. This game didn't start as an Apple Arcade game. And I think that's where the problem lies. Uh, it started as, it started as a mobile, I'm going to say it's a mobile ass game, you know, like that's how it started. That's what it is. It soft launched, I think like in Canada and New Zealand as the way mobile games do. And it was pulled from those soft launches and then like a year later came back as an Apple Arcade exclusive, which means Apple gave them some money. It's like, here's some IP that uh, we can you know use to advertise. And it's not 
bad. I, I think the problem with Apple Arcade that I often come back to is like it needs to be playable without a controller and with a often with a controller. Um, Wonderbox, phenomenal game. I'll probably be talking about it at the end of the year. I I love Wonderbox the Adventure Maker. I love that game. Um, Alda Farmer, I forget the full name of it because on my iOS doesn't show me. Wonderful game. I I want to play them with a the controller. Castlevania Grimoire Souls. I want to play with a controller. Left uh, left and right, you get your dash back and forward. You can, you're sliding, dashing, whipping, jumping. It has all of these awesome mechanics up uh, to use your special ability, your dagger, your potions, whatever you're, whatever you're doing. And it plays really well and really tight in those moments. And then you come out of a mission and it's welcome to mobile game. It's like 20 currencies you know, daily quests, this, check in that, unlock this, get this to upgrade that, this does that. And and it's just none of it's fun and it feels gotcha-y and gross, even though it's all in the game without microtransaction ability to pay to skip it. So you kind of have to grind it. And I'm imagining they retuned it a little bit because of that. But it, it just breaks my heart because somewhere in this game, is an awesome, probably four-hour 2D Castlevania game. That's like pretty straightforward, not a G... And uh, chat's mentioning that there's the leak of the GBA re-release of those Castlevania games. Those games are phenomenal. Everyone should play them. That's where Metroidvania comes from, those versions of Castlevania. This doesn't feel as Metroid... You know, you're not kind of going back and completing the map. But man, it's just locked behind this crappy <laughs> crappy crappy mobile system that's still in it and it, it bums me out that apple arcade wasn't able to commit a little better to like what types of games are on that service because it's pitches this thing and then to still have it full of all of these unfun experiences that are meant to exploit whales and prey on people's addiction and nickel and dime them when all of those things are still built into the game it just feels bad and so if you have apple arcade i think it's worth checking out castlevania grimoire souls because it does have some great music and there are some fun moments and your favorite character is in it but it is a, in my opinion another example of a big ip trying you know apple trying to make a splash on apple arcade with a big ip and doing it in the worst way and there's been a couple i mentioned another one there's been a couple of these recently now it just it just breaks my heart it breaks my heart that's my review of castlevania grimoire of souls is it breaks my heart because there's a great game in there somewhere and it's um it's trapped in the grimoire of souls which is the conceit of the game it's all in this book um yeah that's that now i'm sad jeff now i'm sad well that was your own fault man you, you brought us down bring I us did. back up Okay, the other game I want to talk about, uh, I got a code for, and it's called Severed Steel, and I am playing on PC, which I forget if it's on other things or not. Um, I don't know your opinion, Jeff, but Severed Steel is a, a uh, an awesome simulator. Like, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it is, a lot of games have tried, and I love John Wick Hex, which is the least John Wick feeling game of all these games that try to make you feel like John Wick. But Sever Steel is a first-person shooter where you're always moving and shooting. You wall run, dive, slide, and while you're doing those things, 
um, the enemies miss. So as long as you're stunting, the enemies are missing and it encourages you to keep stunting around these levels, wall running, jumping, sliding, shooting, all going in a slow of, motion. You have yes. bullet time. You've got, yeah. When your gun runs out, cause the, the conceit is one of her arms has been cut off. So she can't reload. So when you run out of ammo, you throw your gun, you got to take it out from somebody else. You know, you take them out, pick up their gun and then attack and, and keep moving. It feels like a non, it's like someone, Oh gosh. Um, the really like great mirror's VR. edge on speed. And then what's that awesome VR game? Um, Sirento. No, I was thinking of the shooty one. Oh, they did oh a campaign. you're talking about, um, uh, yeah, oh, no, yeah. no, the, uh, <laughs> why can't I think of it now? You infected my brain. Um, the one where if you move, they move. But that's super hot. Super hot. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of so another, it's like super hot too, right? No, but they're always moving, but kind of, golly, they did it a campaign. It was like kind of our, the aesthetic of it is like very neon, um, crap. I'll, I'll find it. I'll pistol whip. Some, pistol whip. Yes. Thank you. I knew I'd come up with it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> it has like a pistol whip aesthetic to it. It's much faster and, well, and, pistol whip and, looks like super hot. Why did we get? Why did we spend all that time trying to get to pistol whip when we were out already at super hot? You're right. It is 100% pistol whip and nothing like super hot. And no other games are getting delayed this year. Um, mm. <laughs> and it really captures that that speed. And there's a whole bunch of options that you can go into and like change. Like so, you always go into bullet time when you're stunting. You're always it's like you can tweak and toy with all of these settings. Um, it has ray tracing which is very nice my only nit on severed steel is like it's the first person shooter i've played in a very long time it, it made me motion sick like i went in and played with all those settings <laughs> and it was too fast too furious i don't know it how is you too fast it. and too furious um and there's no justice for han in it at all um <laughs> the, it it um it wasn't there a, a cybernetic ninja game that you got into that was basically yes. doing the same thing? What was that called? Very. Why are you asking me the name of games? Don't you know? Uh, I'm going to pull it because up. Because I want like you to look like the dummy, not me. Oh, um, it's um, Pistol Whip. No. I'm there was kidding. a cybernetic ninja game that was basically doing this exact same thing. That was like you, you, instant kills and you would instantly die if you got hit by one bullet. What? That's the difference is that, yeah, you, golly, I'm going to think I'm, I'm pulling up. It's an Epic game. So I'm opening Epic games, but it's updating. Um, the, the Severed Steel is not one hit kill, one no. hit shot like that. But other you, game, you mow through enemies in that same way. And you're and you're cybernetic ninjing in, in the very similar way in the sense that you are you are this, you know, uh, revved up speed machine that is bouncing around and just it's it's abstracting this idea of being John Wick to a point of absurdity, you know, it's like the matrix times a billion, you know, it, it, it's ghost runner, ghost runner. Yeah. That game. Yeah. You were, you were super into that for a hot minute, but I, um, I love that game. It's fantastic. I think this is better than ghost. Runner. This is, this is ghost runner without the in constant frustration. This I is felt. ghost runner like without that. the memory. It's yeah. ghost runner without the memorization. Ghost runner is live, die, repeat is, is very much live, die, repeat. Like, so it's definitely, it, 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 <laughs> yes, and you really you have to hit these tight loops. Well, Ghost Runner, yeah, again. it's it's Super Meat Boy, first person shooter, Super Meat Boy. Yes, and Severed Steel is a, a, a symphony of death. You know, like you can get yourself out of problems 
in, in a yeah. way. And Ghost Runner, you kind of can't. Ghost Runner, it's like, you messed up, run it again. You messed up, run it again. Severus Seal is like, I messed up, wall run, wall run, wall run, I did it! And then, you know, you're out, which is yeah, which is fun. But I I played with a lot of settings, and maybe it's because my office is just warm. It's still warm here in LA. But I was like, I need to stop. <laughs> Have you seen a, ga- a first-person game that has a dive button before? I felt like that was the be- real innovation with Severed Steel is that there's an entire button dedicated to diving forward and you can chain diving forward in the middle of double jumping. So you can yeah, like jump, jump, dive. And, and the it, like pain dive. Yeah, you're like... Yeah, but you're in first person, right? So you don't get that sense of the third person Max Payne stuff. Um, I don't know. I just never seen a game do that before. And I thought that was kind of cool because you have these like tiny narrow gaps or you'll have a window that is only you know like four inches tall but you can dive through that window and it'll shatter and you can use that as a means of escape and i found that to be really fun and clever and i just felt like oh that's kind of innovative i've never really seen a a dive button in an fps before uh but uh yeah it's it's a it's a cool little game i support super ultra wide which i was into uh and uh it did not make me motion sick but i don't know I tend not to get as much as sick as you, I guess. Maybe it was that ultra wide. Maybe you were surrounded by it. But yeah, surrounded I do, I do suffer from me. motion sickness a little bit more in my games. It did, it reminded me a little bit of Sirento, which is why I went to Sirento when you said uh, VR game. I, I don't think you ever played that game, but it's real good. A VR game where it's it, this, but in VR. Um, and, and which like, how would, how does that work? Well, they figure out a way to make it work. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think Severed Steel is pretty good. It's pretty fun. It's, it's very arcadey. It's very yes. arcadey. It's like it feels a little shallow, um, but shallow in that kind of instant fun. You know, you can play it for two and a half minutes and have a good time. You know, that kind of thing. It's an arcade it's an, game. It, it's an awesome simulator. You can get in, yeah. go through a level really quickly, feel cool about how you chained it together, and then put it down and move on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Appreciated getting a chance to play that. Uh, anything else on your players, Christian? That's it. I mean, we can talk more about Castlevania for me to bring the show to a screeching halt again. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I did play a bunch of Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, um, which is, you know, for me, the easy question is, did you like did you like uh, any of the Baldur's Gate games back in the day? Because if, if so, you'll probably like Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous. It, it is very different than the last Pathfinder game. It's made by the same studio that did the pathfinder i can't even remember the subtitle of that one i should have looked it up um very different game that game was like a sort of pseudo board game didn't really use the rules of pathfinder too much this is like a full-on uh isometric role-playing game huge deep character creation screen alone is like mind-boggling the the number of choices that you can put into it and for the most part it delivers on that like epic isometric role-playing party-based role-playing game thing it's no Divinity Original Sin, in my opinion. Uh, I think Divinity Original Sin is the high bar for modern version of this. And part of the reason for that is because the combat in Divinity Original Sin is so compelling. And I, I loved its turn-based combat. Storytelling is great, too, and all that stuff. I mean, Divinity does everything right, in my opinion. But the combat in pa- this Pathfinder game is really hit and miss. It, 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 interestingly, it lets you switch back and forth between full turn base and uh, a, a basically like a hybrid sort of real time, like your party just acts on their own and goes in 
kind of dragon agey um and i think the reason they let you switch back and forth is because the vast majority of fights that you get into in this game you don't even need to pay attention to you can just put like auto attack and your party will like handle it and to me that says something right that why I like games where even the most rudimentary, I mean, turn-based role-playing games, I like when even the most rudimentary fight that I know I'm going to win even when I'm going into it is still interesting and I'm making cool decisions. In in this game, there's a lot of filler uh, fights. There's a lot of bad guys that you'll just face and you can just go space bar, let my party do it. Okay, what's next? And, and to me, that's a little disappointing. It just feels like, what's the point of, what is the, what, what, what are we doing here? The game is playing itself. I'm just watching the, it figure out the results of this fight. And then mo- I'm moving on. I don't know. I, I want to be making these crunchy decisions. But every time I would turn it to full uh, turn base for those fights, I just feel like, what's the, what's the point of this? I could just I'd be I could be I've been past this already if I just let the game handle it. Anyway, maybe it's a bit nitpicky, but it feels like a bigger problem to me than maybe it even sounds because it just means that like the whole philosophy of the game design was we're going to throw this stuff at you that just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not there's no point to it it's not even like the regular mobs that you move through in a game it's just like you can auto play it almost and i don't know are you grinding i I mean would you use it to grind out for experience you know is it like yes all that and move forward in the story like you're going to be moving mowing through all these very uh inconsequential enemies until you get to a fight that's more important than you and then the way i play it is i turn it to real uh, to uh to turn based and and play through it but it's like, shouldn't all the fights feel cool like that? Shouldn't all the fights make me want to step through them and still, in, instead of just like coasting until I have to pedal hard on my bike? I don't. Do you think you're noticing this because it gives you that option to sort of autoplay it? Like, if they didn't give you that option, would you have like no complaints with the game? I think that's a really interesting question, and and maybe you're right. But my instinct is that if they didn't allow. If they didn't allow me to to autoplay it, I would feel like the fighting is boring, not mm-hmm. not well done. You know, I I would because I when I'm because I started out being like I'm playing this fully turn based because that's what I enjoy most about games like this, and I got into certain fights and I was like, there's there are no interesting decisions to be made right here. It's just my auto attack works best, and that. There's nothing to be done. So, and there are games where you're mowing through bad guys, but you're still making cool decisions along the way. And I just feel like for some reason that connection wasn't made. But it's a great game. I mean, it it delivers that big grand role-playing experience. Excuse me. This, this, the story is huge and, and you know, you're like, dealing with gods and angels and stuff like that. And it's cool. And there's, there's, it's beautiful support, super ultra wide. 
I I think it's interesting, though, and I think it's something that other genres also struggle with, whether you want to call them like grunts or ads or whatever, but like, you know, in that kind of top down or RTS or MOBA style formula, or even a first person shooter, like as you're progressing through levels, are they, what are these enemy encounters for? And what are they doing? Are they kind of just emotional cooldowns? to but then keep you engaged so you're not just holding w you know or click 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 clicking as you progress your character along right. or is it bringing something meaningful to the table and i feel like well very different genre of game i feel like this is something that call of duty the single player which i realize is not necessarily why everybody comes to the yard for those games but also has struggled with where it has these incredible set piece cinematic moments that are like bombastic and awesome in these roller coaster rides and then to get there, it's 20 minutes of, I'm behind a window, I shoot a person. I'm behind a window, I shoot a person. I'm behind a window, I shoot a person. Hey, use this rocket launcher. I'm behind a window, I shoot a rocket launcher. And it's like, why am I It's like doing? a bear. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it tells you, to, it's like, kill those people. Can you do anything else? No. Can you advance it? No. Do I, am I going to do this? Yeah. Is this fun? No. But then the I next don't know, thing man. Is I, I don't. Cool. I, th- I think that analogy is flawed in the sense that I think you're flawed. <laughs> well, I think it's flawed in the sense that <laughs> it, going for the I mean, throat. <laughs> if you <laughs> and also uh, we're all stupider for having heard it. No, I think that um, <laughs> I think that the if you're into a first person shooter, there's a level of sort of baseline fun of first person shooting, right? What I'm talking about what happens in this game would be equivalent to you could push the space bar and it would pop out behind the window and shoot for you. Mm. Like that's what's happening in this game is that I can just let the party handle it and sit back and wait until the fight is done. And there's no danger in that. There's no... Which is good because I I wouldn't want my party to be like doing dumb things that get them killed, but but also I don't I don't want to just watch it happen and not have to make any decision. I mean, to me, video gaming is making decisions. That's the joy of it. And I I guess the only decision I made was auto attack or not auto attack. I guess you know? I finally now now that you're talking about it more, I finally get what your com- the core of your complaint is. It's not just the option to do the auto attack. It's that. The combat is so bland that you can design an auto system that can do it because it's so lacking in dynamics. Okay, now... Yes. And that's why you don't want to pop out behind the window and shoot. Okay. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think I think the, the, the gripe is that there's just no inherent, interesting, crunchy decisions to be made for most of the combat. And then all of a sudden you'll be in a cool fight where it's like, ooh, I got to slow it down. And really think about this one. But it's like, no, I should want to think about all of them. I should, that's the, what I came here for is to think about this stuff. I don't want to just, you know, coast. I don't want to just, you know, set autopilot until I have to get off the off ramp. You know, I don't I mean, know. That's how I've been doing this show for years. So I'm, I might. Uh... Well, it shows. <laughs> all I hear it is that Deathloop is our game of yeah. the year. So I'm, I'm on board. I'm All right. Happy. I want to real quick. I want to um, read a uh, a listener who uh, sent in a review. You know, you can always do that to dlcfeedback at gmail dot com. If there's a game we haven't talked about enough, or in a way that you think is satisfying, or you know, just want to express your view on a certain game, 
please do send that into dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes uh, from Ben, who is uh, at the only Ben Casey on Twitter. Ben writes, um, I'd like to take a few moments to share my experience with a game I think you might enjoy, and one that does things very differently than most games on the market. As you can probably tell from my subject line, the game is Yakuza Like a Dragon. A little background on my knowledge of Yakuza games. I have none. I have a passing familiarity with the series since it's been around for a while, and I've heard it mentioned on various iterations of your show. I think Garnet Lee used to like them years ago, but that's about it. A few months back when the game came out, I started hearing echoes about how enjoyable it was. I filed it away and didn't give it much further thought. That is, until I saw how much Gary Whitta was enjoying the game and speaking so effusively about it. Going so far as to say that the main character might be one of his favorite protagonists in video game history. I thought it might be worth a look. Besides, I've always had a soft spot for turn-based role-playing games, and it had been a while since I had played one. Now, having completed the game last night, I have to agree with Gary. Ichiban Kasuga, the main character of the game, is one of the most delightful, genuine, open-hearted, and positive protagonists I've ever seen in a video game. If you think of him as a video game version of Ted Lasso, I don't think you'd be that far off. My wife and I recently got wrapped up in the overall story of the game. It strikes a good balance of being goofy at times and weighty at others, all while never taking itself too seriously. The plot takes twists and turns almost in Japanese soap opera territory sometimes, but I was along for the ride. The first few hours of the game seemed very linear in comparison to how the game opens up later, which surprised me initially, but does a great job of introducing characters, dynamics, and locations. Plus, another aspect, which Jeff might enjoy, is that Like a Dragon is an RPG with all kinds of modern trappings, which is something I remember him enjoying with The World Ends With You on DS. You'll be walking the streets of modern-day Japan, both Uh, during the day and night and the gear can be quickly understood since it's all based around modern day objects it's a nice change of pace from fantasy and sci-fi fare also you can forge bonds with your party members and follow their specific stories it's really well done so aside from turn-based battles what else will you be doing in this game from what i understand the sheer variety of activities available to players is one of the staples of the yakuza games and this one is no different Want to check out a trashy Japanese B-movie with one of your party members? You can do that. Just make sure you don't fall asleep during the movie. Want to manage a confectionery business and see how big you can make it? You can do that too. Kart racing? That's in the game. Pop into a Sega arcade to play some Virtua Fighter or Space Harrier if you like. Or stop by an underground casino for some blackjack or poker. There are also some honest-to-goodness trivia games within the game that help boost your stats. It's a really impressive collection, and I'm just scratching the surface. Finally, I played the game with the English voiceover, and I mention this specifically because of how good the voice acting is, especially for the main character. The actor who plays Ichiban Kasuga does a marvelous job and is a huge part of what makes him so memorable. Truly, all the English voiceover actors do a great job, and I never felt like I was getting a less-than version of the story as I sometimes felt with certain translations. While this game might have a few rough edges when it comes to cutscenes and cinematics, the charm, humor, and heart go a long way into making this a memorable experience that I will look back on fondly. Keep up the marvelous show, and thank you for being there every week. Thank you, Ben, for that thoughtful and really interesting review of uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Did you ever play any of that, um, 
Janet? Have you tried that game? No, I haven't. I saw my brother play like one of the Yakuza games and I was like, oh, it's like a kind of beat em up style. You're running around. I forgot which which one it was. So yeah, that's, not, that's helpful. Yeah, there's so many. So I, I wasn't like totally sold based on that. I'm like, I don't know. But I know a lot of people that really love them. And this review, honestly, is like the strongest pitch anyone has ever yeah. made for the game. Um, the Ted Lasso drop, I do not take lightly. I love Ted Lasso. <laughs> if I could get an ounce of Ted Lasso's optimism, I would be unstoppable. But unfortunately, I am just my bitter self. So I can't, you know, I I do what I can with what I have. But yeah, I just that sounds super fun. Like I I want to try this out now and see if uh, if it lives up to that. And I love doing um, mundane stuff in games too. So I really like how they drew that out and really talked about that. Uh, seems interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I I agree with you. The Ted Lasso uh, uh, reference was was when I went, well, now maybe I have to play this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really cool. So that's, Thank that's you. That's something else that we should add to the uh, every game's PR announcement. It needs to be like, make the best game possible, safety of our employees, Ted Lasso. Uh, it'll be out in four <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, Ben, for sending that review. If you'd like to have your review on the show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Janet Garcia, thank you so much for being here. It's been awesome having you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been super fun. Cool. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you put out into the world. You can follow me across the internet under the handle GameOnesis. That's Game O-N-Y-S-U-S. That's my Patreon, my Twitch, my Twitter, uh, just literally everywhere. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, I'm on Kind of Funny. I'm on MinMax. So you can catch me at those places as well. Awesome. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Twitter's the best way to see. It's at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And then I also have a uh, free newsletter you you can subscribe to at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer, where I do a little long-form writing about video games in an informal and conversational way, one or two a month. Nothing heavy. I'm not bogging down your inbox. Uh, And that's all I can talk about right now. Awesome. Uh, You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I do several other shows that you can check out, including a movie and TV review show called The Film Cast, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, and I do a comedy science show as well called We Have Concerns. Anthony Carboni, you can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, I also do a sports show, the fan-controlled football league's official show. Uh, we stream it on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash FCF. Always a good time at doing trivia, a bunch of trivia with Josh McCuga. Uh, it's been so much fun. Uh, you got to tune in on that as well. And my live play Dungeons and Dragons show, which is called The Dungeon Run. Super proud of that one. Uh, check it out. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it as an audio podcast or when we stream live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Janet, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I'm trying. What was the last stuff I watched on Netflix? I got one. Here we go. I would suggest Netflix's uh, Never Have I Ever 
Uh, mm. It's like a sitcom. It's like teen, you know, sitcom type. Well, I guess it's not really a sitcom. I guess it's like teen drama, sort of. But it's not cheesily written. Uh, it's actually, I think, I believe it's written in part by Mindy Kaling. Um, so it's pretty funny. Uh, has a lot of heart to it. I, I will say there are moments where uh, the main character, um, just the choices, like, the choice is made. I can't, like, I, ha- I had to take a step back from the show at one point because I'm like, I can't watch this girl ruin her life <laughs> another day. Um, but of course, like many of these shows, it always kind of shakes out at the end and, and you kind of see, like, the the trials and tribulations of this different cast of characters. And the one fun thing that it does that sort of surprised me is you have your main character that it follows, but there's also a few times where they toss to um, a different character's point of view. And what's nice about that is it really sort of you know humanizes them in that classic oh i guess everyone has their problems sort of thing so uh (laughs) really funny really fresh and a little bit feel good uh never have i ever on netflix very cool christian spicer what about you parting gift yeah billy idol released a new ep it is his first ep i think since his original uh like way back in the 80s and first new chunk of music in a very long time as well billy idol will always have a place near and dear in my heart it was one of the last times when i was working in music at a show of his in boston and I, to this day i still think the lead singer of crazy town uh was on some stuff and hitting on me real hard uh either just to party or to do some other stuff as well but billy is incredible an incredible live performer and uh i'm the new album's great the new ep is great he got into a big motorcycle accident um and it's kind of where this has come out of of like yeah, I got to do stuff still, um, <laughs> put stuff out. It kind of, you know, reshaped his life a little bit. And it's really good. Billy Idol, new music. Hmm. Wow. Uh, who knew? I, I, thought you were, I thought you were saying Billy Eilish at first. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Billy Eilish's new album. I, I don't need to tell anyone about that. Like, <laughs> have you heard about? There's this yeah. new kid. Uh, they got a good stuff. Uh, no, Billy Idol, the sneer. Mr. MTV himself. Yeah. Yeah, white wedding. I would like to recommend as my parting gift uh, a show that um, I have found to be really captivating and, and fascinating. It's called 100 Foot Wave, and it is the story of these uh, big wave surfers, the uh, the fellas that, uh, almost all fellas, I, I guess there's, there are women as well, but uh, this one focuses on fellas that are uh, defying death by towing in with jet skis onto waves that are 60, 70, 80, and, and larger feet high uh, in these incredibly wild places all around the world that they seek out because they have the perfect geography to create a wave of that size. Uh, and to see the sort of... Um, the science and the technique that goes into this process, which is a, a very technical, very technical process, uh, and the personalities and the, this sort of quest to ride a 100-foot wave. Um, it's, it's interesting. This is an HBO Max um, series. Usually this kind of thing would be a, a TV show, or a, excuse me, a, a documentary. But this is like a multi-part, hour episode multi-hour episode series and uh i have been completely drawn into it i haven't finished it but it is uh one i can recommend it's called 100 foot wave we also got a listener suggested parting gift this was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com it comes from aaron who says 
Jeff's love of cryptics inspired me to write in about my favorite recent find, Kane's Jawbone, a novel written by the the, uh, nominative inventor of the cryptic, Edward Powies Mathers. I'm sure I misspelled that or mispronounced that. Uh, It's a 100-page murder mystery printed in a random order. And near as I can tell, the whole book is written as the first-person stream of consciousness of a real nutter. Thankfully, each page is pretty short, and they leave room for notes. But there's no paragraph breaks, and every page ends on a period, so there's no gimmies, except for the occasional poems, which I thought would be easy wins, but no. Only three people have put the story back together in proper order and identified all six murderers and victims since its publication in... 1934, but it's been recently republished thanks to a Kickstarter campaign, so that may change. Two years ago, it was unfindable online for under 200, but it's currently uh, 10 bucks and all over the place. I invite you to also cover a wall in your house with the pages of Kane's Jawbone connected by pushpins and red yarn and keep making the world a better place, Aaron. I've never heard of this. Have either of you heard of this? No, that sounds wild. Isn't it? So like the internet now will so- like now that it's back again, it's just solved, right? Like isn't it feels that- like that, right? But I around since nineteen thirty four, I feel like I would have heard of this before. What a fascinating thing. A hundred pages that are in the wrong order and you have to figure out the right order in order to understand the mystery. What that just seems so cool. That's Arcane's next game, probably. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, thank you, Aaron, for making me aware of this. I don't think I'm up to the challenge, frankly, but I love knowing that it exists. Uh, again, that's called Kane's Jawbone. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Janet Garcia and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan and Zero Star for making the cool bumpers. Thanks to each and every person in our uh, live chat, making the show better in real time by hanging out and contributing. We appreciate you. And thanks to all of you who download the show and give us your time. We're grateful and we'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.